Welcome to the SaaS Ad Lab podcast. We're bringing to you the stories of SaaS founders, entrepreneurs, and CEOs. My name is Luis. I'm the owner and founder of Fence Agency, a digital marketing agency specializing in scaling SaaS companies. And today I have the pleasure of interviewing Jake. He's the head of digital growth over at Travel Perk. And uh, first of all, thank you so much for being on here today. I've heard good things about you, which is pretty cool. Um, so why, just to start off, why don't you tell us a little bit more about your background, you know, some of the big things you've done, okay. um, and then we'll just get right into it. Sure, sounds good. So as you said, my name's Jake. Um, I'm originally from England, um, southwest, like a small town that no one's probably heard of before. Uh-huh. Um, my background, so when I was young, I discovered the internet, as most of us, right? I was always interested in um, building websites and this kind of thing. Um, I taught myself to program when I was quite young as well, when I was 14, <laughs> um, PHP and this kind of thing. And that's how I got into websites, um, building like online communities and this kind of thing. Um, the most notable thing, I guess, is my time at Typeform. So I joined Typeform back in 2015 mm-hmm. when it was at 1 million era. And then I left a few months ago when it was at 27 million era. So I was on that journey of growth. Yes. Scaling. I joined when there was like 25 people. So there's lots of interesting stories about how we grew different channels and That's amazing. how we scaled through as a viral loop. Um, and then recently I joined Travel Perk. Um, and I guess most people haven't heard of Travel Perk. Maybe they have, but it's basically an online platform where people can book their business travel. And um, it's a completely different model to Typeform. For example, Typeform, self service, you come in and you pay your $30 per month. Um, travel perk right now is very sales driven um, and it's completely different people have huge travel budgets we work with companies that have travel budgets of like 1 million plus right. per year and it's completely different to $30 per month for like a form software <laughs> okay very interesting so one of the I, I had a couple of questions because I went to the website and I looked over and stuff like that um, but right before we started the podcast you mentioned something very interesting and one of my questions was you know, who is your ideal customer and are they enterprise, you know, level deals? And that kind of changes the conversation that we would have had in that case. But so with Travel Perk being, you know, a commission based software company, how then do you kind of, you know, attribute success to any sort of digital advertising? Very, very good this, um, question, right? So currently we have different tiers of companies that we're going after. Um, we call them, we've got our enterprise tier, which are companies that spend more than 1 million per year on travel. There's one called tier one, which is between 500,000 and 1 million. And then tier two, which is uh, 50,000 to and 500,000 in yearly travel budget. Mm-hmm. So depending on how much revenue they can bring us, then that's how we've tiered them. Um, and every one of these tiers, they act differently, right? So the enterprise tier, um, the sales cycle is very long could be one year plus, but then the tier two, it's super fast, right? So they might start booking with travel within one month. Right. Um, and obviously that creates complications because if you're running like an ad on Google, how do you attribute back the success to Google or Facebook if one takes a year and one takes one month? Right. And how do you even know their travel budget in the first place? <laughs> you know, so that's the, that's the big challenge. Um, we work on different um, projects to predict travel budget, for example. So as soon as someone gives us their email address, we already know more or less to like a, like with a probability. So they have 70% that they're going to have X travel budget and then we assign X value back to Google ads or Facebook. Interesting. That's, that's the trick. <laughs> that's real. And so how does that, cause 
I mean, it's because you're getting business emails and then you're able to like find out the size of the company and stuff like that, right? Yeah, so there's different ways. One way we're looking into is using different tools like Clearbit and Madkudu to look at um, for different companies. Um, for example, have they got funding? How big are they, et cetera? However, this doesn't work with smaller companies who might not have a profile on Crunchbase, for example, where these right. tools are scraping data from. Um, so we're currently looking at a model to do with number of employees and, and country mm-hmm. to anticipate more or less like the bracket, the range of travel budget to anticipate the revenue and the value, mm-hmm. right? Because um, instead of using like one average value and sending it back to Google Ads or Facebook, then we're able to like send different values back. And the goal is to optimize on like a ROAS basis right. stuff right there. That's, that's the idea, that's even great. though there's like a huge lag. And then we predict how many customers we'll have in like the next year, for example. And we have like these, I'm going to make and these. Essentially you can control that, right? Like depending on how much budget you spend and you know, okay, like this is how much we can grow in, in this given period of time. Uh-huh. Yeah, exactly. How long has Travel Perk been around for? Since 2015. Okay. And you so joined. not that long. And you joined. I joined. Mm-hmm. So I joined in March, so that was like five months ago, yeah. four or five months ago. Um, I joined when there were about 225 people. Mm-hmm. Now we're over 300 and by the end of the year, we 400. So it's growing super, super fast. That's impressive. Now, yeah. what are some of the most successful things that you've seen, you know, as far as marketing goes with this type of structure as a company? In terms of acquiring the customers or? Yeah, 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 and customer acquisition. I mean, for us right now, we're doing lots of different experiments on different platforms, so, such as like LinkedIn, um, Facebook, et cetera. When I joined, um, basically the situation was they had Google ads working, paid search, mm-hmm. I guess the easiest one, because there's like search intent. Right. Um, now what we're working on is, is how can we create that, that demand from, from nothing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and we're testing, for example, using content like webinars and ebooks against just like a pure ad focused on, hey, this is the product, come and sign up. Instead you know? of just doing like direct response marketing where this is what we have, like join now kind of thing. Instead, you're trying to educate individuals on like mm-hmm. what they can do with Travel Perk and how they can save time and, and pretty much streamline everything, right? Exactly. So for, for anyone that isn't necessarily like, you know, aware of what Travel Perk is, do you want to just explain a little bit of what the company actually does? Okay. So let me see if I can explain this. <laughs> um, so Travel Perk is an online platform for any business to manage their travel on there. And, I, and it solves different pain points, right? So right now, when you book business travel, you might use an, a travel agency. And that's always ideal. Um, and there, or you might have all of the employees just booking on Airbnb, booking.com, Skyscanner, et cetera. Um, and that's a nightmare for the finance team because imagine how many invoices they get per month. Yeah. Um, how can they measure the analytics of, um, spend on travel and also how do you know what your employees are doing? How do you um, create policies and create compliance with your employees? Um, and travel perk basically solves all of those problems. Um, so all of the employees of the company books on travel book and then the CFO, the finance team get all of the analytics of how much is the company spending on travel because travel is usually like the second highest cost for a business after headcount. Um, and then they get different analytics and for the company, um, they also get, for example, one invoice per month instead of like hundreds. 
Um, and you can create policies too, for example, no business flights yeah. or um, no more than X dollars per, um, per night in a, in a hotel. Uh -huh. Pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Exactly. That's awesome. Essentially, it's just streamlining the whole, you know, travel booking into one space for companies so that they open like this huge, like, you know, amounts of like, yeah, exactly. Um, when it comes to, in your opinion, you know, being at Typeform and, and now being at Travel Perk, what are, what are some of the most important things when it comes to using, you know, the, essentially the internet to grow? Okay. So I guess what I would say is the big difference between Typeform and Travel Perk is Travel Perk is, is sales driven. Mm -hmm. There's humans involved in the funnel uh -huh. <laughs> and in type form, it was self-service. So um, a lot of the focus was on the marketing team and bringing signups, retargeting, etc. Um, but here I'm spending a lot of my time working with the sales team on how can we follow up with these different um, leads uh -huh. um, effectively. Right. And so that's like the main part of the, the funnel, which is completely different. And that's what we're focusing most of our time on now. How can we follow up? Um, depending on the different intents that the user has. So if they download like an ebook or they just sign up to Travel Perk, um, what are the different like follow-up processes, et cetera. So it's like a whole different game. So and you have to, and my guess is that you have to then understand of what the people on the sales team are doing to then pretty much craft like what the ads are going to have in, in case, you know, like just to make sure that the end user has a good experience because if you're telling them one thing, on the ad and then they go to the salesperson and they hear something differently, there's going to be some problems. Yeah, exactly. you have to have all of your marketing automation tools and CRM in place. Right. So for example, we're using Salesforce. So, um, one, 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 one day we had a bug where the, the, um, all, all of the information wasn't sending properly. So when the sales team were, were, were bringing up leads, then they were saying, Hey, I saw you signed up to travel perk, but they never signed up. They just downloaded an ebook. Right. So, uh -huh. <laughs> so, so these types of things. <laughs> What's one of the biggest mistakes that you see software companies do when it comes to advertising? Biggest mistakes for advertising? I guess there's lots of different ones. I guess one of them is is really being able to have um, some kind of model in place where they can predict um, customers in the future um, because they, they they pay too much attention to what is their lagging metric, like number of customers. I mean, don't pay, I guess, another ten, enough attention to their leading metric, which could be signups or an activation metric, right? So for example, at Typeform in the beginning, we were trying to optimize for customers in Google ads, but the lag between um, the click on the ads and becoming a customer was three months. So you can't keep going back three months and trying to optimize your ads. And you can't keep going back three months saying this was the ROI of our campaign, right? So, so in really the end, we... Metrics then, right? Sorry? It's, it's really about understanding like your internal metrics on this, at mm. this point. Yeah. And it's really important to have like a cohort of like signups from like one year ago uh -huh. and you can go back and analyze them. So for example, at travel park, when they're running Facebook a year ago, they thought it was like a big failure and did it even work. But when I look back today, one year ago, it was great. <laughs> uh <-huh. laughs> so, and that's, that's interesting, right? Because, and, and like we've worked with startups in the past too. And, and a lot of them, they'll tell you like, you know, Facebook isn't working and stuff like that. But they, like, I guess the question here is what, like, 
what do you advise then for like early stage startups that don't have that past data? Like how do they kind of understand that? It's a good question. I guess it depends when you scale, what, what's your first channel of choice? Uh-huh. Is it going to be a paid ad where you spend a lot of money or is it going to be some workouts like, like, like content, et cetera? I guess ideally in the beginning, you don't do paid ads, you do another channel um, where you can get data and it's kind of like less and the, and the um, CAC's a lot better. It's a lot lower than in paid ads. Um, but I guess if you do have money, then you have to basically commit to a few months of running the ads and don't turn them off too early. Because a lot of people run them for a few weeks and say, hey, it's not working, turn them off. Yeah. Where's the web customers? <laughs> What's one of the things that um, you're currently kind of dealing with, like trying to figure out and how are you going about it with, when it comes so, down to really just like, and not even just paid advertising, just, you know, digital growth as a whole. So I'm trying to align the whole company on how, how much can we pay for a customer? Mm-hmm. Um, and this is a hard, and this is quite hard because on one side, um, travel perk as a company isn't focusing on like actual like the margin we get through the commission for hotels and flights um so how so you can't really use lifetime value as an indicator because we're not focusing on the lifetime value aspect we're trying to focus on how we can get as many companies as possible to start using travel perk and then in say in one year or six months then we can start increasing our margin by double triple or even more or um Go ahead. But, that, but I was going to say the typical finance team wants to be on a three to one ratio of CAC and lifetime value on a monthly basis, a snapshot view, not even a cohort view. Yeah. Um, so right now the finance team are looking at lifetime value and CAC. I'm like fully loaded, all of like the headcount of marketing, sales, et cetera. Um, but obviously as you scale paid ads, the customers, even from, en- like from enterprise, will come in in one year's time. Mm-hmm. So all these different models are kind of colliding together. I'm trying to align on, on what's the best model to use to, to, to scale and then say, this is what we can pay per customer. And this is what, how much we can pay for, for example, an MQL or a sign up. Right. It, it almost seems like, a, like, you know, if it's obviously, if it's up to the finance team, then really they, they essentially, they want to get as big a company as possible to actually sign up if they're looking at, you know, who's going to be using it immediately because they're going to have the biggest spend. But then it goes back to the same thing, right? Like they're not going to sign up immediately. So you have to get a lot Mm -hmm. going to get them. So that's always hard. And and yeah, I I would say, you know, the the easiest way to go about it is by looking at the lifetime value. And that's typically what you tell, you know, I guess tech companies, because if they're going to be there for a long time, like that's, that's what I've always told people, at least like you have to look at lifetime value to see how much you can actually spend on a customer. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. Cause I was speaking to other SaaS companies like Slack uh-huh. um, and they actually anticipate the future lifetime value uh-huh. of improving their product in the next few years. And they work on like a future lifetime value, not even their real lifetime value. That's pretty cool. Right? Yeah. And in some channels, like for example, at Typeform, the goal wasn't a three to one, it was a one to one. So we were breaking even in some channels, but as a company as a whole, we were being on a three to one. So it breaks all the different. And um, that's, boundaries. yeah. And I mean, that's usually what you see. I would say for most companies is at the very minimum, they want to at least, you know, break even obviously like 
getting anything more than that is going to be the sweet spot. But I think at the beginning, especially when you first start running, uh, it's like if you if you're breaking even, it's good because at least you have that like you can stay consistent where you can start making those tweaks and everything that will actually decrease the cost. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. I guess it also depends on your payback period, because if you break even, but it takes five years, yeah. that's different. If you break even, it takes one year. <laughs> And uh, why don't we talk a little bit more about um, some, some more of advice, right, for like people. So like, uh, and, and this will kind of lead into a little bit more into like personal questions. And uh, I see that Tools of Titan books right there, which is pretty cool. <laughs> so uh, why don't you tell me what is something that you don't believe that you're very good at? What am I not very good at? Yeah. Like the one thing, like, like if you could fix one thing, what would it be? I guess learn more about... Um... This whole sales process, right? So I came into trial park, not, not having ever worked with a sales team before, not appreciating like um, the whole setting out like this follow-up process, like how many touches does a lead have, etc. So I guess if I were to improve, I'm actually going to read more sales books, you know, even things I won't, won't have to do myself. I just want to know about them, you know? There, there so, are some really good books of sales and I, I don't know how outdated it is. It might be a little bit old, but if you want to take a look at a good one, um, check out the ultimate sales machine. Okay. I got the name of the author, um, but it's a good one. It, it, Chet Holmes is his name. He's good. He, mm-hmm. He's a good book. I think you'll enjoy it. Um, what are the companies that you're currently kind of studying, like what they're, what they're doing um, okay. as far as like software goes? So one company I'm, I'm stalking, I mean, following, <laughs> um, is monday.com. Okay. I guess everyone listening to this has probably seen that as on YouTube. Yeah. Um, et cetera. And I came across a very interesting video on YouTube that they put out a year ago and I, and I couldn't believe I hadn't seen it since. And it's on their internal BI system called big brain. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very interesting because it looks at how, for example, they spend 2.5 million per month on paid ads. Oh, wow. Um, and it looks at how they built a prediction model to predict like how many customers they're going to get. And I think within a two year period, mm-hmm. you know, so obviously you have, usually you have like a lot of customers come in your first month, say the 60% right. and the other 40% come in the next year or so. That's I guess that's quite a good benchmark. Yeah. Um, and also with them, it looks at, for example, their lifetime value is 3.6K, but then they're able to acquire a customer for $800, mm-hmm. which is not bad, right? Yeah, not at all. That's pretty good. Yeah. That's awesome. You know, so I've been looking at them a lot, seeing that their landing pages and they have like their in-house landing page builder. Um, they, have, they make competitor pages. They bid on things like Asana and this kind of thing. Um, and to do that, they go on G2. And they compare themselves with Asana on G2. And then they just take a screenshot of the comparison table grid and then they paste it on their landing page. So instead of having to like create your own comparison with your competitor, hey, I guess a good cool. is go on to compare yourself and then take a screenshot. You've got your competitor page made. Well, and not just that, but it almost makes it seem more genuine, right? Because you're getting directly from a third party that that's their job. So that's actually pretty cool. Yeah. I didn't know they were doing that. That's awesome. Um, when it comes to, to uh, again, just a little bit more on advice for other people, like as far as, you know, I guess, what is your favorite channel on, on digital for, you know, user acquisition? Good question. I guess when I started, I was more in SEO. Mm-hmm. I've also done paid ads like you as well. 
Um, favorite channel? It's a good question. Never thought of this one before. <laughs> <laughs> I guess. Or what's the, I guess what we can we can switch the question up. What's the what's the channel you've had the most success with? I guess it's got, it's gonna have to be search both organic and paid. Okay. I mean, I guess the intents are there. Um, and then I guess the trickier, let's, let's call them trickier channels because they're push channels like paid social, etc. cetera. Um, the, there you have to have a really good lifetime value to make it work. Mm-hmm. Like I just mentioned, money.com have 3.6K lifetime value. Yeah. Um, and if you're not hitting like the 3K mark or 2K mark, then it's going to be very difficult to make Facebook ads work for you, for example, because you haven't got the leeway to, 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 to even invest in it. So for example, at Typeform, the lifetime value of someone at Typhoon was like six hundred or seven hundred dollars. We ran Facebook ads and we were able to get customers for eight hundred. Mm-hmm. So if Typhoon's able to increase their lifetime value and double it, then they can just explode on Facebook. But right, right. now they're not running ads on Facebook because they can't. Absolutely. You know, that's a shame. So I think lifetime value is super important. Yeah. <laughs> that's why no. what I said before about travel perk. But it really enables you to either scale in a channel or not scale in, in, in like totally. in a channel. Totally. So, so with that being said, and, and kind of going back to that conversation about, you know, travel perking, not necessarily looking at lifetime value as a, as a metric for that. Is lifetime value something that travel perk is working on improving or is that something that is kind of almost disregarded at this point? Um, we know that by adding certain like product features, we're going to improve lifetime value. But the big, um, the, what we work on now is just acquiring companies. Like mm-hmm. almost, there's like almost 0% churn, right? So we know that if we can acquire companies, like they don't want to go back to the pain of a travel agency or like the pain of crazy booking.com and, and, and anarchy, right? So, right. so there's almost 0% churn. Um, so like that's not a huge issue right now. So we know if we can just acquire companies and then in the future we can increase the the commission and add on other products. Mm-hmm. Um, so for example, we launched a product called FlexiPuck, which yeah. allows you to pay um, 10% more on a trip. And then you can get a full refund, no questions asked whenever you want and get 90% back, which is pretty That's crazy. Pretty wild. <laughs> That's pretty wild. That's Even awesome. like a business trip or anything. Yeah. Um, obviously, and we have like a premium um, service too, where you pay $10 per trip. And you get like premium support, et cetera. So there's different add-ons you can add on there to increase right. like that, that percent, like that lifetime value. Yeah. Um, there's definitely lots of plays there in the future. We're also building a team to do like direct deals with like hotels, et cetera, to increase that margin as well. Like partnerships. Um, and partnerships too. Okay. So, um, but obviously right now, it doesn't make sense to, to, to base what we can spend on lifetime value because it hasn't been a focus and we want right. to, acquire as much of the market as possible. So we're working out how can we spend per customer? And what we're looking at now is their travel budget. Because we know the travel budget of a company, we can anticipate in the future, what can that margin be? And how much could it be in the future? So that's like the main metric now, um, travel budget. That's pretty cool. Now, if you could go back to yourself at Typeform when you first started, what would you tell? Um, so like the one piece of advice that would have kind of changed the whole thing, what would that be? Well, well, I would have told myself lifetime value is very important. <laughs> what is it? Take a look. 
um, you know, because for example, the cost per clicks in search have increased 40%. Yeah, they um, type form, the lifetime value didn't improve. So that's like a problem, right? Yeah. If the cost of now increases by 40%, but the lifetime value doesn't, then you're in trouble. Definitely. Um, I guess I would have said to myself to be more, um, right, in the beginning, I wasn't as, I, I didn't take as many risks. So, for example, it took a while for us to like even bid on terms related to quizzes at Typeform or tests mm-hmm. because we because we were calling it like a form builder, you know. So, if we just bid it on more terms in the future, like um sooner, then we've had a bigger impact a lot faster. Yeah, you know, so take more risks if yeah. you can afford it. <laughs> <laughs> if if you want to afford it later on, maybe that's cool. Mm-hmm. Um, where uh. What was the last question here? I have a couple more questions, but what is your favorite book? My favorite book is, let me remember it. What is it called? <laughs> it's called it's The Power of Persuasion. Okay. I guess, have, 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 um, have you read it? I, it sounds familiar. I, I love psychology and like any sort of, you know, influence. Influence is a good one if you want to check that one out. Maybe you've read it before by Dr. Yeah, this Chow. one. This one, right? Let me get it. I'm not sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. So good. I mean, so, everyone should, like, if you're listening and you haven't read it, then yeah. buy it. That one's good. Uh, the Tipping Point by Malcolm Gladwell, I believe. It's a good one, too. Really good. You'll like it if you like the, the Power of Persuasion. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Nice. And uh, to wrap things up here, where can people find you online? So I have my website called inflectiongrowth.com. Um, I have a few blog posts, not that many, um, but I'm be adding a lot more. <laughs> yeah. So um, check it out and and subscribe if you want to get like um, notifications when I post new content. Awesome. And uh, last question here: Do you have any questions for me, Jake? Why did you decide to start a podcast? Uh, it was to meet people like yourself, you know, and and it's almost going back to again Foti, which is the person that referred you. Um, obviously you know that, but for the people that are listening, um, it's to understand a little bit more about what people are doing outside with like marketing, advertising, how they're going about things, really meeting founders too. I think that the SaaS industry is super interesting. Um, like now that I'm, I guess, part of the community, right? Like you see a lot of similar things that I can connect with, like just a a strong sense of entrepreneurship and community and, and, and really personal growth is one of the things that really stands out. Um, and I'm sure that everyone that is, you know, part of it can, can relate to that because it's like, people are always trying to learn something, trying to figure out how to fix things and, and, and that kind of environment. I think it's good. And, and it's definitely something that just makes me want to like go and do something, you know, every, every single day. Really cool. That's, that's the, the short answer there. So, uh, thanks Jake for being on here today. It, it was really a pleasure. And, and I think you have a lot of really cool information might even do a second podcast with you, to be honest, to get even more stuff out of you. Um, so <laughs> thanks. Thanks for being on here today and uh, we'll see you soon. Cool. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Thank, Thank you. you. Take care. Bye-bye. See ya.